Hello, everybody. Welcome on the Lights on Data show. <laughs> That's right. And today we will talk about tackling data strategies. And I will introduce our amazing guest from today. Our guest helps leadership teams to exploit data so they can successfully transform their businesses to achieve significant growth and enhance customer experience, as well as become more efficient. Isn't this what we all want? As a principal at DataZoom, he has the amazing ability to tackle both business and technology challenges. He has 20 years of experience in international um, environments in the UK, Europe, Africa, USA, all gained from consulting and strategy roles across a variety of sectors, including aerospace and defense, government, high-end luxury retail, postal, and telecoms. Wow. That's that's a lot of experience. And he also frequently shares his knowledge as a conference speaker, contributor to charities, as a fundraiser, and is also a youth champion of social enterprise working knowledge. Everyone, please welcome Samir Sharma. Hello, Samir. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Look, that's a great <laughs> introduction. Thank you so much, Diana. Fantastic. Well, it's all true. <laughs> well, it is, what? yes. And I often forget that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good reminder here now. Everybody knows. Yes. Uh, yeah. Samir, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your hobbies, interests, of yeah. your yeah. superpowers. My superpowers. Well, listen, I was a semi-pro tennis player at one point <gasps> in my life. No so, way. Um, you know that that that's one of my superpowers but unfortunately for you know after playing so much tennis and um pounding my knees um i've had God. to give it up and uh, i i've i've got bad knees now so i can't really play tennis any any longer um but you know i i, I did that so that was one of my superpowers um and who's uh, your let, favorite let, tennis player oh of all time you know what it was ivan lendl he oh. was my favorite. He <laughs> was the most awesome guy in the world. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I like Agassi. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm old school. Yeah, I'm a lot too. older than you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Samir, so. is there anything from mm -hmm. tennis that you feel it translates to the world of data? Wow. Um, Maybe the back and forth, you know, that we have to do with our clients. And <laughs> so, so you know started what? with the hard questions already. <laughs> I, 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 I think, um, I, I think tennis probably set up quite a lot of uh, just things around resilience, um, and um, believing in your game, uh, and absolutely making sure that you craft. You know, you've, you've, you, you've. You've done those 10,000 hours. You've really, you know, you yeah. know how to do your backhand. You know how to do your forehand. And you, you're continuously trying to perfect. So I think, you know, with everything that I, I, I do in my life, I, I, I probably associate the same things. You know, try and perfect it. I'm never going to get to true perfection. That, true. That's never going to be there. But, you know, the iteration of getting better and better and better um, is the same with data strategy, I think. The idea that you're starting from a, a foundational place, which might not be so mature, but then you're moving up that maturity curve, and you're you know you're you're playing the better forehands, um, and and you're being more offensive or you're being defensive. So it's very similar to to data strategy. Now, I've never thought about about it in that way, but I, I must say that's that's pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice I, way to I can a good that, analogy. 
And yeah. as Bill Porter is saying here, knowing what the score is, it's sometimes important. <laughs> so yes, yes, well, actually, absolutely, actually, Bill, absolutely. Actually, yeah. um, theoretically, you should be able to play the same no matter what the score is, right? Um, so to play as if there is no score. And if your life depends, as if your life depends on it, um, I just want to add something because I Please. play tennis myself, and my dad was saying, "Okay, you know, I I wanted you to play tennis because um, the game, the match is not lost until the last point is played. Correct. So you still yeah. have your chance, even though you have match. Uh, the other one has match point, and I think it makes you a fighter to think like that." It, it, it's it's true, Diana, and there's a, there's 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 always a, uh, an amount of strategy involved in what you're doing. You know, you're. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, the thing is when you're playing when you're playing singles, it's very much uh, about you know one on one and that mindset, and the positivity and the psychology of of being able to win. Um, and I think that translates very much into the same competitive landscape that lots of organisations are working in today. You know, they are they are fundamentally um, driving, you know, to, to, or striving to be the best in their area, in their in their sector, in their industry. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they can do it through a number of different kind of transformations. And one of those is data. So for mm -hmm. me, it's 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 always been about not not, you know, not just just being able to relentlessly move forward and absolutely win, like you said. Um, and, and having the right strategy when you go into a game is the same as when you're going into business. Well, as Suraj was, uh, Suraj is saying, loving it, and <laughs> you crushed that answer, I gotta say. Yeah. Like in, like Scott Taylor is mentioning, data strategy is the new tennis. <laughs> yeah, it is the new tennis. I think we're growing yeah. something here in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> this is the new narrative. Yes. So, uh, Samir, why data strategy? How did you start to do what you're doing right now? What's your story? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question, um, Diana. So, as as you said in the introduction, I, I have worked across a number of different in industries. Um, I've been, you know, I've worked in the consulting world, but I've also worked on the industry side. Um, I've worked for a number of very large firms. The and and what happened is in around 2012, I worked for a company where I set up. Um, I'm not going to tell you the entire history because we'd be here all afternoon. Um, <laughs> but in in 2012, um, uh, in, in you know, I I set up um, a uh, for an organisation in the US, their UK arm for data and analytics. So I I I'd, I'd had experience, obviously, running uh, very large analytics teams globally. Um, you know, if, uh, and, and driving out uh, insight to the business, delivering insights, understanding exactly what decisions and actions they need to take with the data that we've got. So, you know, but but it was interesting for me when I came into um, uh, organizing and scaling this business that I was asked to do, and it was in pure play data and analytics. So very much working with um uh, three in three sectors that the private sector the public sector and the uh, financial services because this company split it up in in, in those three ways mm. and putting together the idea of how would data help each of those particular areas what what started to happen though was was when i'd go into conversations when i'd walk into to um clients the, the first thing that they talk about was technology and 
I'd sort of rein it back slightly. I said, well, we're not here to talk about technology. I'm here to talk about your business. I'm here to talk about what your business wants to achieve. And they yeah. sort of scratch their heads and say, that's a bit strange, but you're the data guy. Mm -hmm. I said, well, mm -hmm. if I don't know what your business is doing, how am I supposed to help your business but enable it with the data? And we can get to the technology piece because that's always going to be there. That's, you know, technology is easy, I say. It's more the sort of, you know, the, 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 the stuff that you need to do with the business, like mindset change and organizational culture um, mm -hmm. and change management. I mean, those are the really tough things. Um, so for me, I... Um, I, w I walked into many of those those conversations and then I I, st I, had, I sort of stepped back and I said, look, because I've come from a strategy mindset, because I've, I've you know, been a strategy consultant, I said, we've got to, we, you know, everybody's talking about data in a way that is separated from the business. So we've got to bring mm -hmm. those two together. So I started to build tools and frameworks to do that. And, and then the conversations changed. The conversations went from, technology conversations to more business conversations, but with an understanding of how technology and data would enable the business strategy to be met, um, you know, how you'd look at growth, what kind of pillars there are, how you'd work with marketing or HR and people and so on. But and then you start to get more of a consolidated view of the the end-to-end um, and the context that you're working in rather than just zoning straight down into data or technology and forgetting about the rest. So for me, I've always had that view that you need to bring all of those parts together. Um, and, 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 and those conversations, those, those, those conversations gave me the epiphany moment to say, people really aren't, aren't concentrating on this thing called data strategy. And by the way, if I, if I, if I didn't have to call it data strategy, I wouldn't, but, um, you know, pe people really understand it in that way. I agree. But I, I, yeah, I like how you're, you've described everything here and how it does need to tie back to those business needs. And I think this is one of those most, um, um, how, how, should, how should I put it, Diana? Help me, help me out here. Anyways, it's, I feel it's a misconception that, that people, companies associate the data strategy, data governance as well with sort of an IT issue and an IT challenge and not so much looking at it from the business lens and how it should support those business goals and priorities. So, yeah, so yeah, that absolutely. That, oh, what are the parts or the pillars that you include in the data strategy? So that's, that, that's a really good question because typically lots of people will, and, and I've, you know, I, I, I speak to a number of people about this and, and many have their own interpretations of it. Um, from, uh, you know, the, the, the strands that, that, that we typically will look at are with the business strategy, you typically have your levers, things like growth, things like regular regulation, because there are a lot of, uh, companies that are going to be in that regulatory with regulatory pressures, there's efficiencies, there's customer, there's product, you know, so, so what are we as a business? What's the context of what, what, what sort of environment we work in? Then when you get down to data strategy itself, then you start to say, well, what are the levers that we can help to achieve those goals, of we, as we've said before? And I think there's fundamentally, there's, there's um, a number of things. I, I tend to call them in different ways, but I will, mm -hmm. I will work with the, the traditional wording. So one is organization and ownership, and, I, and that's likened mm -hmm. to data uh, governance. 
and then platform and plumbing, which is very much data architecture, mm-hmm. and then people and culture, which is very much target operating model, and then monetization, which is very much analytics. Those are the core components that I think will help an organization to put a coherent and integrated data strategy together to support those pillars that I mentioned, uh, you know, mm-hmm. growth, regulation, customer, product, and so on. The purpose of why that organization exists. And is, is demonetization part how you're driving information, knowledge, meaning out of the data? Or is it a monetization on this is how much we need to spend on data analytics in order to achieve these no. business goals? Yeah, so so it's, it's a good question. There's two things here. And I think if I look back at the type of, um, if, if I split those two things into half, if I look at the data governance and the data architecture piece, mm-hmm. and I'll probably say those are the, those are the defensive actions that an organization needs to take. Mm-hmm. The target operating model and the monetization piece is the offensive things that they need to do. So these are, these are two things that most organizations um, have to ensure that one, while they're, they're laying the foundations, um, that they're equally creating value from the data that they are generating, whether that's in internal data or external data. And therefore, that monetization piece is how do we get closer to the customer? How do we offer them different uh, products? How do we start to understand their needs? And, you know, it's not about selling data. It's not about that. I don't, I don't believe that that's the real monetization effect. The real monetization effect is how do we get value out of the, you know, this thing called data, but that it will drive new revenue streams, for example. That is monetization for me. Right. So, the idea of having those two things together is what most people are challenged with. How do we, most people I speak to will say, well, we're getting the, the foundation in place. And I'll say, well, what about the value bit? Because the foundations could take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to put those two together, but we need to step through them in a way that provides the business lines of business with value, but equally making sure that we are having a grounded foundation element that helps to uh, sustain what the defensive position is. Uh, you know, in the business. So in, in essence, a part of the data strategy, the the recommendation is to try and tackle these four different areas at the same time, you know, chipping away a little bit at each one of them in parallel. Yeah, and and this is the idea that I talk about around understanding the context. Uh, the, the, this, and, and the context gives us the purpose of the organization. The second thing is you can look at it in in a way that if you look at a top-down view of data strategy, the top-down view would typically be let's take all of the different strategies for those lines of business and then start to build out how data and digital and cloud are going to absolutely support those. And so what are the levers and how do we build a, a stepping stone of program that will help those 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 areas within those those strategies to be delivered. And Mm -hmm. so, therefore, that's why I say data strategy isn't really, shouldn't really be called that. But then some people come at it from a bottom-up view, which is, oh, let's go just line of business and let's just Mm -hmm. look at the line of business and see how they operate and then create a data data strategy within that line of business. Uh, So so we've got to get to a middle ground where we're, we're looking at the whole rather than just trying to do the silo type of uh, work, you know, based on just specific use cases. 
So I think mm-hmm. what we need to do is to say, you know, I, I for example, I know that, you know, the, the, uh, the company wants to achieve the strategic objective of, um, I don't know, let's say they need to grow in X region by 10%. Well, what does that mean? So marketing is involved. What kind of data does marketing need to ensure they get to the right customers? Um, What product are we going to sell? What products are we going to sell across that region? What's working well? What's not? Um, So, you know, the idea that there's just uh, a little bit of uh, uh, reporting that we need to give to somebody for that is wrong. So data should be infused through you know, the entire customer journey for that particular, how do people, you know, what's the process that we're working within and the context, and therefore the process is, the input is a a request from a customer. We do some process and the output is is some data that we're going to get from the customer and then we're going to start understanding what that looks like and then we're going to do some more marketing activity and we're going to bring them down to the chain of maybe buying something so I think we've got to understand that this isn't data strategy is not an isolated view. It must really be built into every single trigger. You know, the the, the sort of people process bit is really key here, um, and that's where it feeds. Data is fed out of the process piece, um, and it's a shout out to uh, one of my colleagues, Paul Morley, and we were talking about this earlier. And I think it's a really important factor that people need to to understand that data isn't driven through technology. Data is driven through processes. Um, and I talk about that a lot, but that's key. Yeah. Can I ask? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I have <laughs> a, a handful <laughs> no, of questions. Me, me too, me too. <laughs> um, I I love how you integrate business and the data strategy. Really, that, that was greatly, very nicely explained. Um, that being said, I wanted to ask first, who approaches you Um for in the organizations to create the data strategy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, who else do you involve sure. in creating the data strategy? Now, it, it's, it's an interesting question um, and it depends from what industry uh, mm. that, that there is. So if I'm looking at, um, say, for example, the financial services industry, there, there is typically a, a chief data officer that I am being mm-hmm. approached by, mm-hmm. or if it's a, if it's a very fairly large, uh, say let's let's take a bank for example. You know, a couple of the banks that we we work with, they are typically will have a group chief chief data office, and um, they will then have local chief data officers. So I will typically speak to a group chief data officer about what the challenges are and and what what their requirements are now. If I look at, say, another industry, we work with charities quite a lot. Um, I might be working with the CTO or mm-hmm. the CIO mm-hmm. um, because they don't typically have chief data officers. So it's really dependent on where it is. And in a number of, you know, uh, say, um, in the insurance industry, I've been working closely with um, uh, chief operating officers um, or, or really f- uh, from a you know, almost like the managing director of, of the particular area that, you know, that, that's in question and whether it's the commercial arm of that of that insurance company. So it's really, it really varies. It's a great question. And I so think that's one of the you... things that we're, we're always hung up on. Mm. But how do you get to understand the, the marketing piece uh, or the HR piece? Yes. So, so how do you include that? Yeah, I think 
that 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 that's a good question. So everybody who we engage with, we we will always say, um, look, we're not looking at this in a in a in a siloed fashion. We need to understand the strategies across each of those different lines of business. And when we understand those lines of business and what they're trying to achieve, that sort of gives us a view of the whole. And then we can start to say, look, this is this. These are the priorities for the business. This is what you've told us. These are the types of um, areas that each of these lines of business are working on. But we start to thread that together so that they can see that priority list uh, across each of those particular mm-hmm. lines of business. So I will speak to the CMO, for example, the chief marketing officer. I'll get an understanding of where, you know, where they're trying to head to, what kind of, uh, uh, well, you know, is it acquisition? Is it retention? Um, is it really broadening the scope of what they're doing in terms of product marketing? So there's a lot of stuff there, you know, look, looking at HR or looking at sales. How can we be more effective um, in locking down sales? Where are the bottlenecks across that value chain when you know marketing handoff to sales um and and how do we start to to trigger things of you know these are the types of deals that are typically in in train these are the types of deals that are lost these are the types of you know uh bottlenecks that are causing these 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 deals to 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 not 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 be locked down and how do we start to make that more efficient so there's lots of different ways that we can work with but it's around really defining for each of those areas, what are the key business questions that they keep asking themselves every day? And the, I, I will walk into a lot of organizations and they will typically be asking a set number of business questions. But what I actually do ask is, what are the business questions that you're not asking? Mm-hmm. And that throws in a really kind of, oh, well, that's an interesting question. If we put it like that, then we have to start thinking about what we're not asking, and that throws up a, a new new view of the world, which is really cool for them. And I think that, You're a that's business one of, consultant. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's one of the benefits of getting somebody as as an external, such as you, Samir, as you're coming in with not just all this knowledge and previous experience, but really an unbiased opinion, and yeah. you're coming with new ideas and new questions that they haven't thought of before, just maybe because they're too in-depth and on a day-to-day basis into that world there. And so the questions that you're posing are, are opening new doors, like you you said. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed hearing the fact that the C-levels are the ones engaging with you and you're having conversations with them because it shows that there's involvement from the top. And with the data strategy, that's really what you need. But have you encountered those that um, they still need to be convinced as to the value of data. And Susan Walsh here has a question on how do we get decision makers to see the value in data? Do you have any recommendations on that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question, Susan. So I, I think there's still lots of people out there. And it's interesting for me because here's the rub, right? We've, we've, we've been talking about data for many, many years now. The, the, the challenge is that we've been talking through data through the lens of technology. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where people really haven't seen the value because they don't really understand what the output is. They may get a little bit of value by saying, now we've got some clean data and it's in, you know, it's in this nice tool like a data warehouse. 
But actually, the way to show value is to to to, to when you're when you're starting to put that data strategy together, is to say to um, various people within the organization, listen. Um, and I hate to use the term low-hanging fruit, but it's you know there's always fruit that you know we we need to tackle every kind of fruit, <laughs> high-hanging and low-hanging and <laughs> mid-hanging. Um, but th there's always going to be something whereby, and let me give you an example. There was a, there's an insurance company that that we work with, and we realized that one, um, you know, marketing are very very good with data actually they, they've been using data for years um, and and in the in in the about 10 15 20 years ago the CMO was seen as the data champion so mm -hmm. it's it's interesting how you know the, the, they've always used data um, one of the things that, that we will will look at is how do we make marketing more efficient by uh, providing different types of data different views of that data different segmentations of customers so you know working with one insurance company, who were looking to as we as we started to work with them and look through what each of the lines of business was 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 doing and one of the things that they were doing was they were coming up to doing a big um, marketing uh, campaign and to Susan's point I think we we you know the CMO has said well you know we we typically get X amount in conversion I said well look using data I think we can probably double or triple that conversion and typically they were getting about six to seven percent conversion rate which actually for a marketing campaign is pretty good um mm -hmm. you know normally typically they're about two to three percent some can be uh, qu quite amazing but it depends on how much you know you're using data so we said look why don't we drive this through the lens of data and we'll show you the value in just putting together as you start to run the campaign with your outbound campaign agents and so on um, we'll start to analyze the effectiveness of the specific um, messages, the specific scripts, the time of day, the conversion rates on that time of day, the segments within the demographics of people that you're speaking to, and so on. So on the fly, literally every day, um, and this campaign went over the course of four weeks, um, mm -hmm. there was a, a big process involved. Um, in terms of how many touch points they were allowed to have and what they needed to send out as part of the process. But we were able to literally start to analyze the day of the campaign. And at the end of the day, we would look at the results and say, right, tomorrow we're going to absolutely change it like this. And we'd, we'd sit down with the CMO, we'd, we'd talk to her about the results, and we say, this is what we see in the data. We need to switch uh, script two, uh, and we need to put 2B onto these uh, agents and we need to train them up in the morning. And the person who's been driving 2B will need to do that that, that, that training. But immediately it started, for, it, it gave her a sense of, oh, so we're actually starting to see how we can pivot with, within, within the, you know, within that marketing campaign immediately. And then driving different behaviors from the people who are, who are speaking to the, to the customers and then understanding, you know, the, the, the 45 to 60s were a better conversion time at three to four in the afternoon. And therefore, you know, using script three. And it was an easier way of then being able to understand what was going on. So typically, at, you know, you wouldn't do that. You'd probably do that after every kind of, you know, couple of weeks and start to analyze that uh, in, in a way of how well have we done in the campaign so far. But we were actually doing, you know, campaign analysis and, and providing very key actionable outputs on dashboards, which were very raw, very simple, no mm -hmm. fancy stuff, 
um, but people understood what it was telling them. So they were then able to you know, implicitly understand it and make the corrections themselves. So that was the value that we showed them. And you know, after four weeks, they th that was almost, um, yeah, it was about 650,000 um, in revenue, net revenue for them. And that was uh, almost a f above a 40% uh, conversion rate, just using wow. data. So wow. it, it, it's not it's not difficult this stuff. I think the thing is we need to you know get 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 a handle on just how that value sh should be shown. And once you show that value, then everybody else says, "Hey, I want a bit of that," you know. And and you know, then you start to get more yeah. people understanding the value of what you can do with it. So, so just a little a bit more question. difficult to get that first um, first example in, in the door, and you know, showing that it does work. Because, you know, I mean, it's great if somebody says, yeah, let's just give it a try. You just want a chance and then you can definitely prove and show that value. Um, but identifying that champion initially, I think it's very important that you can work with them, showcase the value, have a run some sort of a pilot. And then everybody else is seeing, oh, yeah, we, we want yeah. that bag. Yeah, on that wagon. Is there yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Carry on, Diana. <laughs> uh, is there any time frame for the data strategy? It's also a very good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't believe that there is a time frame. So let's have a look at it this way. A business strategy. Is there a time frame for a business strategy? No. Right. So then there is no time frame for a data strategy. Because if your data strategy is pinned to your business strategy, your business business is always evolving. You're pivoting. You're moving into new markets. You're do You're building new products. So the data strategy also has to follow that. So if I said it was going to be six months or one year or three years, um, you know, typically you'll craft out something that will have a a, a one to three year view, mm -hmm. but you're continuously having to, you know be challenged with the way that the, the business is moving so it's the data strategy is not a static thing yeah. uh, and that's why if you if you pin it onto the business strategy and the business goals and objectives you're always you're always moving um, and so it shouldn't you know it shouldn't sit on a 350,000 page document on the shelf somewhere it's an right. organic type of uh, yeah. of 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 approach um, so yeah when we do set it up we'll set it up in the way that you know one to three years uh, probably looking further, you know, further out. Some some people do want to have five years, because they know that it is that 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 type of of um, uh, you know, it's it's that sort of marathon that they need to go on. It's not a sprint that they suddenly will have a data right. stretch and we're all done and we can sit back. And so you know, it's set up with a long term thinking, but it's scalable and nimble enough that it can be adjusted based on whatever comes in from external internal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and and I. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it will have these sh near-term goals as well mm -hmm. as medium-term goals and then long-term goals because you need to have that flexibility. And correct me if I'm wrong, Samir, but so far it, it does seem that the data strategy kind of follows the business strategy. It's done after the business strategy is in place. And do you think there will be a time when these two will be done in parallel at the same time? Um, you know, the business I, strategy I, will involve data strategy mm -hmm. pieces. Um, That's a utopic the, the, future? 
that that's that's utopia for me. That's like my heaven. You know, I, that, I, I can hear the angels singing right now. That, that's my heaven. That really is. Um, you know, all I can hear is oh. Um, but uh, I, I I I really think that it's um, we're we're far off from that. Um, unfortunately. Right. Um, but we're getting there. You know, we need to keep we need to keep these messages um, out, um, and we need to keep educating. Um, and one day, I hope that the it will just be one favorable strategy that will have the levers of whatever you know is required uh, within okay. that, and it will show how data is going to help everything, or how cloud or digital is going to help it all. Fingers crossed. So Bill yes. here had a question on all the uh, CXOs, CTO, CIO, CDO, CMO, uh, et cetera. Do they all have the same reasons for asking for a data strategy? And I would assume, I would assume that, you know, at a like a very high top level, the answer is yes, because they would all want the business to perform better, to meet its goals and, uh, and just do well. But at, at their department level, at their own unit so level, would be I, I, yeah, I, I think this is a great question from Bill, and I'll and I'll tell you why because I think Bill's, um, Bill's uh, used the from the CTO to the CMO as a good 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 sort of pathway, and I'll tell you why. Typically, the CTO and CIO are very much aware of uh, data strategy, but their mm -hmm. view of data strategy is very much let's get the plumbing and let's get the architecture in place. And let's make sure security is wrapped up, and let's make sure the infrastructure really is 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 done, and we can you know serve the business uh, and mm -hmm. make sure we can have the types of um, technology components in place. Whereas you know the CMO or the COO, um, COO in particular, is looking still at you know the operational. How do we how do we create operational opportunities to to advance the business either in optimization or supply chain? Um, optimization or, or, you know, efficiencies across um, different departments and so on. So I think I think there's generally always going to be two very different types of of ways that most most of the C-suite are going to ask for it. And and I think that's the that's the bit which I I often come up against because the CIOs and the CTOs there are some that are actually you know. Actually, I shouldn't, you know, the, the CIOs, that some of the CIOs that I've, I, I'm working with, one in particular in, in a charity organization, is absolutely very key that it needs to be business focused. But then there are others who are, are, are more focused on technology. And I think mm -hmm. it's just that balance that we have to sort of um, offer that, you know, while we are thinking about, you know, how the technology is going to be, be um, helping and uh, optimizing what we're doing, we need to think about the people and the process and the culture, and those things are much wider than a lot of those, you know, the technology components and the, and the CIO and this. So therefore, the CDO um, in in the middle that Bill said is typically, you know, we've seen iterations of the CDO, um, those that are focusing on data governance, those that are focused on, um, you know, trying to get platform um, and technology in place so even we get flavors of cdos as well um, and mm -hmm. so i think it's when 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 i'm asked by many people where does the where does the the the, the, 
the data who who does who owns the data strategy who drives it who who it's a very tough question it's not always it's you know it's 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 where i think the the person who's closest to the customer sometimes the person who's you know looking at more of that that growth and revenue targets and so on you know where where can we get closer to the edge i think that's and sometimes i think the coo is is very valid in that position hmm. The, you you mentioned that you know some people just focus on uh, on technology, and I guess this is one of the challenges, right? To explain that it's not only about that. And I wanted to ask, what other challenges do you encounter when it comes to creating a data strategy in organizations? Yeah, um, it's it, it here's. <laughs> uh, I I tend to talk about which is the really funny thing for a data guy. Um, and I walk into I'll walk into many C suites and I and I'll and I'll actually start talking about the culture of the organization. Nice. And you know they'll they'll be they'll be looking at me and saying, "But you're the data guy. Why are you here talking to us about culture?" And one of the biggest challenges that I see is 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 the is the the cultural is the is, is the actual onboarding or the mm -hmm. developing and the success of the data strategy or any or any strategy for that matter. Uh, is is through the culture and i think that's the thing that we've got to keep to understand culture is a very big um uh, is 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 an amazing thing but it can be a huge inhibitor um and i think we've got to remember that that culture is how we work how how people are engaging with each other how they are thinking about you know these transformations being put on top of them, um, and how they've had these things going on all the time. So culture is a big factor in a data strategy for me, um, and that's one of the things that's often not thought about. That's the challenge, I think, in many ways. And it, yeah, exactly, and it also influences how people see change <clears throat> and how they go through change. I am very excited about this topic because this is the topic of my PhD. <laughs> oh, how great. Culture influences change management and reactions of people to change and how you can adapt the change management um, tools in order to mm -hmm. match the culture. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's yeah. that's amazing. And I'm I'm so so happy that you addressed that <laughs> in the beginning. I just well, wanted to clarify yeah. something. Yeah, go, go ahead, Sumi. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Go carry on, George. Just wanted to clarify something here from Kingsley, Kingsley as he was saying that if data strategy is not time bound, how do you measure success and growth? Shouldn't there be some short term goals uh, that will build towards long term goals? Co there should correct. Be, shouldn't it be timed? And my understanding is that, yes, you do have short term goals, yes. uh, mid term, long term, but it's not time bound in the sense that data strategy is something that's ongoing, that's ever evolving, keeps on changing, similar to the business strategy that you've uh, explained that to us, Amir. Yeah, and 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 I think you know, as I explained earlier, don't get me wrong. You've got to show value. You know, you can't have a data strategy not showing value for three years. You know, you've got to have something within the first three months, and you've got to show that actually you are building on top of that success, and you're able to keep developing. And there are going to be some setbacks, absolutely, because you know it's an iteration. You're always learning about stuff. Not everything mm -hmm. is going to be absolutely perfect. Somebody. Um, earlier on sent me a message saying that they have the perfect platform in the world that will help all of their problems. And I just thought that's not true. That will <laughs> never be true. So we've got, we know that there'll be some, um, that, that there'll always be that iterative 
uh, view of it. We have to keep learning. We have to test, learn, test, learn, build, you know, roll out. Don't forget, we've got to get it into production. We've got to get the right people in place. We've got to, you know, whatever we're building is, is you know, not just sitting in pilot world. We've got to move it into a production environment. And that's the other key challenge that I see a lot of people doing is, you know, just, just continuously doing POCs and, and oh, that's good. But, and, and, and then the business saying, well, how do we get that into an environment where we can use it? And I think, you know, that, that comes together in a very different way when, when we actually put together a, a holistic, you know, data strategy, which does take into consideration the operating model of how we not just engage with the business, but how we engage with the, the data and, and technology teams. So they're all all facets of the data strategy that has right. to be really understood and, and driving out those short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. So it's a good question. And I just think we need to we need to keep at it. Otherwise, um, you know, I've seen I've seen some data strategies that I, you know, I'm often asked to to review um data strategies for organizations. And I'm I've seen some which, you know, don't get value until 12 to 18 months, which is just strange for me. You know, I I, I never understand that. And that plays into Alberto's question here, data strategy versus time to market. What happens when the plan fails and what do you do there? Is it, do you, do you need to prep the stakeholders that, Hey, I, I mean, there, there is a chance of failure here, but let's work in such a way that we could, you know, come back from it and address it. Yeah. And, and I think that whole, you know, time to market and, and understanding that we are building something um, and we're going to uh, try building an MVP, for example, you know, a minimum viable product, which isn't going to be the all singing and all dancing, but we're actually going to be testing it. And those components of that will help us to understand whether we can get it to market quicker um, and, and are we actually on the right path. But, you know, we, we, you know to use the old adage, we fail early. We, we help ourselves and we, we know that we are going to be, be looking at certain areas which will never be straightforward. It will never be simple. And, and, you know, and that's why I say it's always an iteration. Um, so the time to market factor, it's, you know, I'll give you an example. We were um, working with a very large logistics company and, and one of the issues that they'd had for years, which was uh, through, their, through their network, their supply chain, was really how did they start to get um, objects from one end to the other um, more uh, in a more optimized way. Well, you know, we literally did some very quick and dirty analysis across the, the that supply mm -hmm. chain, um, and we and and we found that there was some human problems in there. Not that you know. So the data highlighted very quickly that all we needed to do was change a few processes, um, retrain some people, and guess what? They were able to save one point, just over over a million quid in their business. Mm -hmm. So it million pounds quid is the way that you know yes. slang. <laughs> I'm sure people understand it, but uh, <laughs> but but I think these are the things that you can do, you know. And it's it it is about testing and trialing. It's not always going to go straight. It's, you know, there are mm -hmm. things that that it's not about uh, putting a dashboard in. It's not about that anymore. It's about the business value across that whole chain. And mm -hmm. data isn't the last mile thing. Data is upstream. It's it's in the value chain. And you're really trying to understand where that, that piece of data is required for a decision. Or is it being triggered from one system to another? Or is it going into an application that needs to be driven for maybe some kind of you know credit checks? So uh, gone are the days that we're having a uh, a, a dashboard at the at, at the end of the chain that's going to give us the all singing and all dancing you know 
light show um, to use your lights and data. Um, you know. <laughs> so we have to we have to think about how data is going to be weaved in everywhere, and that's the bit where people don't you know really do that end to end across the journey of of, of a, say you know the product life cycle or the customer journey. And each of those things has triggers. And then we can start to guide that data into the areas that it needs to be. And so if I'm a person who's sitting there saying, you know, I need to make, I, I need to make that decision, we're, we're looking to give them the data in a way that is quite seamless. And they don't know that actually they're making that decision based on the data. So it, it's where we're heading towards. But it's, you know, we, we need to get there, there, there with, within some parameters. And, you know, I think we, the, the tools available are very different now. Yeah. I just wanted to add to what you said. Uh, there's a saying that I like. I don't know if it resonates with everyone, but they say that everything is a trial. Um, and to me, to my, in my mind, that works very well because that means that if you have a, a failure of, of sorts, it can be a bigger one, a smaller one, that's okay. You just continue and there's no end date to, to the improvement. And I think that works even in the in our personal lives and also in our professional lives. Yeah, we're, we're, you're right. I'm we're like always building wife. on top of it. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> we're, we're always building on top of it. You know, if we, if we stop, if we stop, what happens? If a business stops, you know, uh, iterating and, and, and continuing, what happens to them? They're, you know, they will die. I mean, it's, you know, they, they need to keep going on. They need to keep finding new revenue streams, new markets, mm -hmm. new products, um, new customers. So they just can't say we're done. That's never the case. So to your point, yeah, absolutely. I got to say, Samira, there are a lot of comments coming in. Um, and I'll just put this one for Mina Maria, mentioning that I love your culture-oriented view as a data person and that you brought that to light. So I think this is resonating with a lot of people. So you hit a, Thank lot, you, of, Anna Maria. a lot of clicks here. And I do want to tell everybody, please follow Samir Sharma on LinkedIn if you aren't already. He's always putting great content and he has a great data strategy podcast as well. And definitely uh, check out datazoom.com and find out you know what, uh, what they're offering there. And they have a great blog with great content too. So if you're hungry for more content, more information and knowledge, definitely do check that out. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that, George. Here. I know we're we're approaching an end here, but I just want to take a couple more Carry questions. On. And there's one yeah, from sure. Kevin Manko. I don't know. He's he always appears at, uh, as an unknown user. LinkedIn Kevin, user. So, any advice on gaining buy-in and presenting value when data-driven decision making is new to an organization? Mm. And I know you mm. touched on it, and you you gave a great example on how value could be shown. But when somebody, when you need to get into the door, do you show maybe a company, an example of another similar company or another one from the same industry on how they've benefited from a data-driven decision-making and why somebody would need a strategy? Do you ever yeah, need to make that uh, business case? I, I, of course. I, I, I think one one does need to show that. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's the other thing that I do here is just go through a series of, of, of questions. So I've built lots of tools, lots of canvases that help us start articulating the, the opportunities that companies are, have within, within, their, within their existing landscape. And I think once I start asking those questions and showing what the opportunities are, there's there, there, there sometimes a, you know, can be light bulb moments where the, the, 
you know, the C-suite will say, well, how comes we didn't know about those opportunities? Or if I bring examples from other types of industries, but or, or industries that they, they they wouldn't even liken to themselves and showing what they might have done. I think that also helps. But using the tools uh, that 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 I've created and, and particular ways of of working with the C-suite and, and just outlining um, generally, uh, not saying things that they're missing, but things out there in the market that might be good or better ways of for them to be able to drive their business forward and understanding, you know, implicitly what their business is. You know, that's the other thing. You really need to understand that. Um, and, and you need to do your homework. Um, like, you know, every time I, uh, I do a data strategy podcast, um, I do my homework. I, I drill down on those guests. I get to know who they are. And then I, I ask them, you know, questions that they said, where did you get that from? How did you know that? So <laughs> the same thing. I think you know you've got to be prepared to 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 have chat be challenged by it, but be be able to to give very good insights and, and knowledge and understanding. And I guess after being you know in 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 the space for over twenty years, it, it, that that helps as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, gaining buying can be very different with with all all companies. It's not just the straightforward. Here's here's the cookie cutter approach, and we're going to run with that. Never, never. It's never the same. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to bring this one question from Amit because you are engaging with the C-level and they are involved in the data strategy. And again, as I mentioned, it's great that it's coming from the top. How do you ensure that middle management is also involved? Because as Amit is saying, is they're implementing the strategy and you want to make sure that they're aligned with the organizational goals and the long-term strategy. Yep. And sometimes they're not. There's that you know discrepancy between the two. Yeah, sure. So I... Yeah. So one of the things is the C-suite are, are are the sponsors, if you think about it. But really, when we, when we do work with a lot of the teams, it's those mid-management, mid-level teams that we're working with. You know, those are the guys who are going to be looking at the innovation. They really know their business inside out. They know where the the, the dead bodies are. They know, you know, what business processes need to change. They're the, they're the people that are really, you know, looking at this day in, day out. So it's the heartbeat of, of the company. So typically, you know, when, when we're working with people, we, we don't sit at the C-suite and say, you know, we will look down and yes, you will do X, Y, and Z. No, we're, we're kind of getting down to into the, into the operational view and saying, okay, we know that, you know, data strategy is a strategic element, but there's an operational view to it. And that is how we're going to be, you know, making moves and 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 changing the way the organization works. So it's very much back to that culture piece. How do we work with people across the organization who don't necessarily speak to each other or don't necessarily understand how, you know, uh, the handoff between marketing to sales to HR to finance, you know, just bringing those people into the same room and speaking to them about the way that their data goes across their, their business departments and links up and helps each of them to understand what the other is doing is, is, is quite amazing because they never get involved in those questions. So all they get involved in typically, which I see is let's go and do a business process review of the finance team. And then there'll mm -hmm. be a little box which will say uh, business process ends, goes to HR. And you think, yeah. and then what? 
So if you can get them into absolutely understanding how the value of data helps each of those individual chains, those value chains across a business, I think it's an epiphany. It really is because then you start to you start to have much better engagement. They really start to believe that this thing is going to help them. They they're not cynical. You know, many people have tried to do it before, but they've stopped at some certain point. So you know, mapping out those journeys is really important. And I think that's one thing that I see not a lot of data strategies absolutely get involved in. Um, and, and, and then, you know, that's, that's the key to this thing. The culture and the, you know, the process and the people, that's really key to getting them to, to, to operationalize the data strategy. Absolutely. And Kingsley agrees as well, strongly agree that the culture is a big part of that mm -hmm. data strategy. And you have, uh, you know, a few rounds of applause this year from <laughs> Yara and Kimberly ah, and awesome. a lot of other people as well. <laughs> cool. Thank you, everyone. Coming to a close, I, I wanted to, to ask you, so what do you offer with DataZoom? What sure. are the services that you provide? Yeah. So uh, we, we work in, obviously, just the data space. So the, the, the three things that we will do, and I love to do things in threes, um, is the yes, data the strategy number. piece. <laughs> um, the, uh, and the data strategy is looking at how do we start to build um, the, the, and align the data strategy to the business strategy. And then once we've done that, very much going into this whole area of data management, how do you start to build out and operationalize things like data governance and data architecture um, and, you know, getting embedded teams into place and, in, you know, putting an operating model um, and really understanding how that's going to be engaging with not just um, the data in the data space, but how does the data team engage with the business teams? How do the data teams engage with the technology teams? And how do they, how do they all come together into this triangle? Um, and, and so that's the whole data management space of making sure you've got, you know, platforms in place and, but equally making sure that those ways of working, those target operating models are really uh, being effective and making sure that there's ownership of data, there's stewardship um, and making sure the architects are building the right business models that drive the right, you know, questions. So, you know, and, and then the third sort of prong i would say the third the, the the bit that's at the end not not necessarily at the end but you know is the whole data science and innovation so how mm. you know how do we start to take the bits of this data strategy which are more analytics views are really trying to advance the way that you know we're trying to do stuff and predict particular types of uh you know you know create predictions or look at more uh, more auto automation from data science so you know those are the three areas so it's data strategy which goes right across each of those things and then it bleeds into the whole data management and then the whole data science area okay so datazoom.com then you also have a podcast that people can find on spotify on google podcasts and on other platforms that offer podcasts what is the name of the yep. podcast and uh, how, how does it how how is it how long is it do you have guests what sure are, what do you talk yeah about? so oh gosh it yeah called? yeah it it's it it's called the data strategy show and i started it about a year ago actually in the in the in lockdown last year in march mm. so um it was one of those things which you know we had a lot of time on our hands um <laughs> 
you know, t time being saved with not traveling. So I just thought, wow, you know, now's the time to do this stuff. And, um, you know, we, we're, we're into episode, we're almost into episode 30. Wow. We've, we've had some brilliant guests on. Yeah. We've had the likes of uh, Bill Schmarzo, John Thompson. Um, we've, we've had uh, Roman Stanek. I mean, we've, we've, we've had Laurie Silverman. Um, we've had oh, Kathleen Maley. We've had Drew Smith. I mean, you know, loads of people. We recently had Moon Javed, who's the, the chief strategy officer for the 49ers. Um, so, you know, we've had some amazing guests who have been on. And it's just, I love it. I, I love the fact that we can, you know, we can do it. And, and also we, we have spin out events um, where we do the, the data strategy debates. Um, and those have been absolutely awesome. Um, and we get, we get some huge engagement from those and I love it. It's, it's great. So yeah, you know, we're, we're doing more and more on that side and um, yeah, like I said, almost episode 30. Congratulations. Well, congratulations. And many and more. Thank you. And, and then, Samir, you have a seminar you. coming up sometime in June. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? And I, I think sure. people can go to datazoom.com and, and kind of watch out for, for that communication to come out when it's ready. Yeah, sure. So we, we, so we, we launched last year, actually a couple of years ago, uh, and um, called the Data Strategy and Analytics Coaching Program. So we, we found that a lot of the time, what's happening within a lot of businesses is the data and business teams aren't really um, using the right types of engagement frameworks between the two of them. So we've built this, this program, which helps you in a very live environment, start to bring together these teams and start to build out um, your data strategy. And mm -hmm. you get homework because it's, it's set over a four week period you, you, you're in one, um, four, four half days. And literally between those, those sessions, you've got a week to go back to your business and start to embed the technique, start to ask the questions, start to really build out, uh, you know, your high level data strategy. So we're seeing that that's, that's been quite uh, an amazing, um, area that where people are, are finding it very interesting to, to build those bridges between, their, their business partners um, and their data partners and to really get onto the same page and speak the same language. Because as you know, as you know, um, data people will speak one language, business teams will speak another and technology teams speak another. So it's trying to really get a really good framework that, that the business can be successful. And I mean, the whole business can be successful, mm -hmm. each of those teams to drive out what they need to do for, for growth and, 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 and strategy. And who is it for? Quickly, uh, it's for business teams. It's for business executives. It's for data teams. Um, it's it's for it's for those two types of teams to get together and come and you know uh, uh, and learn together and build out their strategy in a way that um, they probably wouldn't have done. Um, so it's 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 helping really drive out um, consistency between what a data strategy is and and helping them understand the business strategy side as well. All right. So datazoom.com, the uh, data strategy show, show on uh, <laughs> on Spotify and, by and Samir Anchor FM. And, the, the and Anchor, that's right. Yeah. All these platforms. Yeah. My, yes. My is on Anchor FM as well. Yeah. Uh, thank yeah. you very much, uh, Samir. It was very, very insightful. It was amazing having you on the show. Thank you for the 
great energy that uh, you brought to the Lights on Data show. And everyone, remember to follow Samir uh, Sharma on LinkedIn. Well, thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, George and Diana. It's been a, an absolute pleasure um, to be on the show, and I've really enjoyed it. my first LinkedIn Live. So, um, you know, I've popped my cherry now, as they say. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you very much, everyone, for being here. I will see you next week. Bye, everyone.